What's up, everybody? Brendan Schaefer here with you on a Thursday. Welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. I'm happy to be here with all of you. It's Thursday, right? Yeah, today's Thursday. The days all kind of run together when you're in quarantine, right? And uh, we've got coronavirus impacting the sports world, of course. And so we're going to have to change gears here today, as we've had to do often throughout the podcast over the last week or so since we found out that there'd be no baseball. I don't, I'm not even going to keep track of how many days it's been. I know some people have done that and they say every, every time they tweet about it day six or what, I have no idea how many days it's been. And I know that it's going to get too high to count before it's all said and done, because I don't think we're talking about real sports for a, a, a month or more. So that's certainly a bummer, but the, podcast trudges on as we've done this week with Taylor Rossellino of the XFL St. Louis Battlehawks and yesterday Joe Hudson. He was a Cardinal last season. He was with the Memphis Redbirds for most of the year, catcher Joe Hudson, and then toward the end of the year got called up. He talks about in the podcast that you could go back and listen to from Wednesday, he talks about the moment he found out he was getting called up and talked about not having the season in the minors that he was hoping to have had. So wasn't expecting anything to to happen as far as a September call-up. But when late August rolled around and Matt Wieters went down, it kind of opened a door of opportunity for Hudson to get a cup of coffee toward the end of the year. So cool story that he shared yesterday on the podcast. And he also talked about, you know, what minor leaguers are going through right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. Hudson in particular is a guy who, because he's had some major league service time, was up for really like the last month of last season and had a little bit of experience in a year prior to 2019 because of that though he will be able to be a part of the players receiving a stipend I believe they're terming it as this uh, hiatus goes along for baseball but a lot of guys that don't have that luxury they're not on the 40 man and they did not have any major league service time a year ago I don't know that major league baseball has yet decided what the situation is going to be for them and a lot of people are are you know they're scared and they're understandably so uh, confused and concerned about what's going to happen. So a good I- informative conversation yesterday with Joe Hudson. I would recommend going back and listening to that if you've not done so already. But for today, what my plan is, since we do not have any real baseball to talk about, I figured we would change gears and talk about some fake baseball. If you've been following along at for 12 on Twitter, you would have seen that I have recently purchased MLB The Show, the new version of the game for 2020. And and getting into that world, talking about doing some Twitch streaming where it could be sort of a live podcast where I'm playing the game and you're watching what's going on. But more than that, you can ask me questions about baseball, about whatever. And that'll be a lot more interesting, I feel like, when the baseball season is actually going on. Because, yeah, I'll do the podcast, but kind of fun to have something to look at while you're listening to me talk about things. And you'd be able to ask me questions live. So I'm considering doing that. But yeah, I bought MLB The Show. Uh, last night, my PS4, as my wife and I were watching a show on Hulu, I I sneezed really loudly, and then the PS4 shut off like at the same time. I don't know that there's any way to think that my sneeze caused it to shut off, but my wife started laughing like that was the reason. And I was immediately concerned because I'm like, it didn't sound good when the PS4 just shut off like that. Couldn't get it to turn on the rest of the night, and... So I was thinking I was screwed, basically. But this morning, I was able to mess with it and get it to turn on, at least. And so it remains to be seen how much I'll be getting to play of this game during the quarantine time. I may have to 
get it repaired or, or buy a new one, which I don't want to do because I'm pretty sure that the whole PS5 deal is coming out before long. But anyway, I got the game now, and what I wanted to do today, and I'm going to do on the show here in a minute, I want to look through the St. Louis Cardinals roster and give you my thoughts about what they what what the MLB the show ratings and rankings are. I'm going to tell you where they got it right, where they got it wrong, and where I'm just disappointed that they missed the mark entirely. Like, for instance, I don't even see some names on here. I know somebody told me that Rangel Ravello was not in the game, which I kind of understand that because he was supposed to have gone to Korea before the Cardinals traded Jose Martinez, so they might have just been planning to, to take him out of the game, not put him in, and forgot to put him in after the fact but he's on the Cardinals 40-man roster and whenever baseball does start up will likely be on the 26-man roster to start the season but I don't see him on here at all I don't see Austin Gomber on here at all either and that one's even more befuddling it's almost like when they made this game they looked through guys stats from a year ago and in the case of Gomber they're like well he didn't play so I guess he's not there anymore um because he's going to be a pretty significant part of the Cardinals if he can stay healthy. And that's the only reason he didn't play last year for Gombers. He wasn't healthy. But the plane here, after I introduce one more concept that I wanted to talk about for the show and kind of direct you to something that I think could be kind of interesting I'll be doing over the next few weeks without baseball in our lives. And then we'll get into talking about the Cardinals ratings on MLB The Show. I'm going to go in and change the rosters a little bit. And I know that they do a good job. They have the roster vault. I don't know if if you play this game, you're probably familiar with it. But they allow people to upload whatever versions of the rosters they want. And you can tweak the ratings and the, the attributes for each player. So if you think that you know a certain player should have a way higher speed rating than the game gave it, you can edit his speed rating and then that can be part of your new revamped rosters that anybody could then download if you upload them to the servers. And so I don't know if I'll go and do my own. I could do it for just the Cardinals, kind of reflecting my thoughts on the individual players. That could be kind of fun. But it takes a lot of time. I've done this before back in the day when I used to play these baseball video games pretty hardcore. I spent all this time. And then, like, you get through one team of editing their, their rankings and their attributes, and you're like, now there's 29 more but I just want to get to play the game now. And so it's kind of a time consuming process. So when I do it, I usually just trust whatever rosters are put on there. I usually just kind of go with and tinker as I go along, but I want to introduce this concept. It's a project I'm working on for KMOV. Uh, You know, I write my stories for KMOV, do the podcasts and stuff. And right now there's no baseball. So there's not a whole lot to write about. And so one thing that I'm going to try to do consistently throughout this time where there is no games or no games is I'm taking a look back at the last 20 years in Cardinals history. So starting in the year 2000 and working my way all the way up to 2019, I'm picking one game per season, one game per year. And I'm writing about it. And my goal is I'm trying to find games that you can actually watch online, at least in some form or fashion. I may not be successful for a game in every year, but considering how often the Cardinals made the postseason over the last 20 years, it's probable that I'll be able to get some good video that I can at least after I write about and take you through the game a little bit, I can link you to it and say, here's, you know, here's what to watch for some interesting things. Cause I'm trying to watch through some of these games as well. Here's what you can look for. And then here's the link to, to watch the game. So I don't know what the, uh, the, if MLB, you know, has, has their, their pause on the whole thing. They've got bigger concerns to worry about right now, in my opinion, but if they find some of these games that have that been uploaded by fans or whatever, and they say, you don't have the rights to this, then, you know, I guess the whole thing could get shut down. But MLB actually has a lot of full games on their 
YouTube channel and the MLB Vault YouTube channel. So kind of a cool thing I'm hoping to, to continue to do over the coming weeks for at least 20 days. But yesterday was the first instance of the series. I'm calling Cards Capsules for KMOV. And I did. I, I wrote about and watched yesterday throughout the day the opening day from the year 2000. It was a game started by Daryl Kyle, who won 20 games that year, actually, for the Cardinals. Uh, the late Daryl Kyle, of course, passed away tragically. And so I chose that game because he had a 20-win season. It was the first game of the year. It's a game against the Cubs. And it's really the game that started, in a lot of ways, the Cardinals' quote-unquote dynasty. I don't know if you could quite call this this 20-year stretch a dynasty because there have been you know, years where they've missed the playoffs and, and years where they haven't been as successful. But throughout the last 20 years, the Cardinals have only had one losing season, just one time. And so that's that's a pretty remarkable stretch of, of success in St. Louis. And 2000 was really the year that it got started because they just brought in Jim Edmonds, uh, I believe Fernando Vina. That was also his first season for the Cardinals. Uh, of course, the leadoff man played second base. He's a lot of fun to watch, too. He, I'm, I'm watching a game from 20, 2001, 2001, that I'm going to write about for today. And he has a leadoff at bat in this game that, you know, grinds out eight pitches, finds a way to get on base. So a lot of cool stuff looking back at, at Cardinals games from the past. And so what I'm going to do is I'll kind of mention each day on the podcast what, what the game is that I'm I'm writing about uh, or have written about the previous day and definitely would encourage you to go check that out. And if you've got some free time or maybe when this weekend comes around and you're looking for something to do, you could pop some of these games onto YouTube or wherever I find them. And that could be kind of a good source of entertainment. I, there were all these all kinds of goodies that I found in the game from yesterday where I was, I mean, it was Joe Buck doing the game with Al Herbosky, which was kind of fun. Um, and a, a young Danny Mack was interviewing Jack Buck in the stands during one of the, the you know middle inning breaks kind of deals, and so a whole lot of good stuff in in the game from yesterday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But let's go ahead and get into the the main discussion point for today, and that is MLB The Show looking at the Cardinals rankings. Going to grab my PlayStation 4 controller here with the other hand and hope it doesn't crap out on me again. We'll start at the top and work our way down. The Cardinals' highest-rated player is Paul Goldschmidt, at an 89 overall, and I'm just kind of quickly scrolling through the teams to see how many other teams have players rated in the 90s, and there are a few. Um, Josh Donaldson's an 89 overall, so a comparison. Mike Trout's a 99. Chapman's a 92 for Oakland. Joey Gallo at 91 seems a little high, um, but... He's obviously got crazy power. Bregman as a 95, Acuna 94, Freeman 91. The Braves have three players at 90 or above, and Ozzie Albies is the third. He's a 90 overall. Scherzer and Strasburg both above 90. DeGrom's a 99. Harper's a 91. Javi Baez is a 92. Yelich is a 94. So, oh, Arenado 99. I can appreciate that. Now the coronavirus has ruined all Cardinals fans' plans to have him in a Cardinal uniform by late July. 
Uh, they'll probably have to move the trade deadline or something. I don't know. Okay, so Goldschmidt eighty nine. I think that's probably pretty fair. I would have I would have Jack Flaherty though. I think is the highest rated player on the Cardinals, and he's only an eighty eight in this game. I think it'd be more reasonable to have him at about a ninety. I understand the body of work for Flaherty, not quite as high yet, and so he's a guy who I think could make a huge leap in the ratings for next year's game if he has another season even close to what he did over the second half of last season. But I, when I think about the Cardinals, I consider Jack Flaherty their, the team's best player. And maybe that's because of the down year from Goldsmith last year has me in that mind frame of a little bit of recency bias. And again, we talk about a down year from Goldsmith. He was still a very productive hitter for the Cardinals. I think, though, he would tell you and has, has mentioned throughout the offseason and even earlier this spring, he talked about, Goldsmith did, the idea that he needed to be more consistent rather than a guy who, you know, you remember what he did in Milwaukee the beginning of last year. He got his home runs and bunches, and he looked like a world beater, but then he goes on a slump for a while, and then he'd have a few games where he's doing really well. And so he he didn't have that steady consistency throughout the year. And so even though the numbers were pretty solid, they were down by his standards for his career, but they were still pretty good. But I think consistency is is a fair knock on Goldsmith's 2019. And again, Flaherty wasn't exactly consistent either. He was pretty average the first half, and then the second half he was Bob Gibson. So it's not like he was consistent. He was consistent for two stretches of the season in, in a different way. He was consistently inconsistent for the first half. In the second half, he was lights out. You couldn't touch him. But I think Flaherty as a 90 would be where I'd have him, and that's so he's a little bit low. He's at 88 for this game. Uh, the third best player on the uh, Cardinals based on these rankings, on the overall ratings, Colton Wong. 86 overall, I couldn't agree more. I think Colton Wong probably, Paul DeYoung probably should be rated a little bit higher than he is, but he had a little bit of a down offensive season last year. Wong led the team in on-base percentage, won the gold glove, and so a lot of Wong's statistics as far as these ratings go are buoyed by his defensive ratings. He's got a 98 for reaction, a 75 for arm strength, and a 90 for fielding. And I think you could probably bump that 90 for fielding up even a couple more. But if you do that, then you might get him too over bias. And I guess that's why they have him as such a low speed rating. He's a 58 as far as the speed rating is concerned. And that seems low to me. I know that they're using like the StatCast sprint speed ratings to to help them make the speeds for MLB The Show. And Tyler O'Neill apparently... Uh, I saw on Twitter, Jeff Jones was talking about this. His speed rating, I'm scrolling down to find it, is a 94 in this game for Tyler O'Neill. And you think, well, he's got speed, but does he have that kind of speed? But apparently with with the uh, StatCast sprint speed from a year ago, he rated as one of the, the tops in the game. And so I guess the show is just simplifying matters and using using that to to decide their their speed ratings for the game. So... I think Colton Wong should be higher than 58 for sure, even though his, I, for whatever reason, his sprint speed wasn't great last year, I guess. I, I don't, I, I it feels like he's faster than that, but maybe uh, maybe I'm mistaken or maybe he lost a step. But I would bump his speed up a little bit. But if you do that, then suddenly he's an overall 88, 89, and that's probably a little too high compared to, because you got to keep it in, in concert with other players across the league. So 86 for Wong, no complaints here. I think that's a pretty good rating. Uh, next on the list is Giovanni Gallegos. He is listed, for whatever this is worth, as the Cardinals' closer in MLB The Show, and I think that would be the case if the season were to be starting in a couple of weeks from now, or a little over a week from now, I suppose it would be. 
he would would have been and probably still will be the Cardinals closer when things get going. 84 seems like a pretty fair rating. Paul DeYoung as an 82, based on what I saw from him this spring, I'd be bumping him up to closer to 85. Again, consider Gold Glove finalist, and they definitely give him credit for that defensively on this game. Uh, reaction 91, arm strength 72, fielding 87, so just a tad lower than Colton Wong in each of those categories. But pretty good numbers defensively. I, I'm just looking at his contact ratings are in the 50s against both lefties and righties. He's got a good power rating against right-handed pitching for 74. That's pretty good. Uh, low plate vision looks like 53. I don't know how that compares to some other guys. Wong's was 78 for reference. And so I think for Paul DeYoung, probably I would I would up his contact rating a little bit and maybe even the power against lefties a little bit. But I think that's overall it's pretty fair. But I'd have him, instead of an 82, I would find a way to get DeYoung to about 84, 85. Uh, Andrew Miller, 82. You look at his numbers from last year, weren't quite what the Cardinals were hoping for, I don't think. And certainly with what we've seen this spring, obviously this game – the ratings were probably made up before the spring training got underway, but 82 seems honestly a little high based on what we we know about Andrew Miller right now, but also it's partially because he's injured. So I think I'd have him about 81, 82, uh, maybe 80 would be reasonable, uh, but we'll have to wait and see what it is health-wise for him. Same thing for the next guy on the list, Miles Michaelis at 81. Does not seem unreasonable in any, any way. 81 seems about right for Michaelis. I'm not disappointed in that. Carlos Martinez listed as a starting pitcher. 80 is his rating. I think he's should be higher than that. Uh, you know, if you wanted to count him as a reliever, I think he'd be better than an 80. But maybe because they're using him in a starter's role, I wonder, because I'm looking, like, the break on his pitches, they give him a 95. That's obviously pretty good. 69 for control seems fair. Not quite as high as some of the other guys. Uh, Michaelis, for reference, is 78 for control. 81 on Carlos's velocity seems reasonable. 66 for stamina, so he's kind of a tweener. Like, Miles Michaelis is at 87 for stamina. 66 is not really enough to to be a quality starter, I don't think, in MLB The Show, because I'm not sure how you're going to be able to get through six, seven innings, but maybe that's what they think about Carlos as well. I wonder if I'm able to edit and put him in the closer spot what that would do for his rating. Now, it doesn't look like it changes it anything off the top. It used to be when you could change guys into different roles, it would, but apparently in this in this version of the game, unless I'm just not doing it right, I don't think you can do that. But 2020 certainly will be a test of Carlos Martinez to see what he can do back in the rotation. Of course, we may have to wait a while before that happens, and then he, he won't have to conserve his energy quite so much for the long season because the season won't be as long. So we'll see. But 80 feels a little bit low to me. I understand the reasons for why it says what it does. He's got a walk per nine rating, not very good because he does tend to walk some guys. I think his K per nine could be better, though. 74, it feels like that should be closer to 80 for Martinez. His fielding is 32, which does not seem super unreasonable. He had those issues with fielding and throwing to bases a couple years ago. But he's super athletic, so you'd think that would be something that he could get over and, and could have a fine fielding rating. But maybe that's part of what's bringing down his overall rating from maybe 84 to 80. Moving down on the list, Yadier Molina is next, 79 overall. Yadier would probably not be a fan of that, but I don't think it's it's very unreasonable at this point in his career. Uh, still pretty solid defensive numbers, good contact numbers, not a lot of power, good plate vision, which it, to me is interesting. He doesn't draw very many walks. I wonder why they give him so much credit for plate vision, 
because he kind of is a guy that like he'll he'll hang in there and he doesn't strike out a ton. At least he didn't used to. I'd have to look and see what he did last year. Yeah, so that's Yadi still has never logged a 100 strikeout season in his career, which is pretty exceptional. 74 is the most times he's ever struck out in a given season. So I think that's where he gets the 89 for vision. I guess it doesn't say plate discipline. It, it feels like a guy that swings at a lot of pitches, but he's just so good at making contact with pitches too that I think that's part of the reason for the vision rating. So now that I'm thinking a little bit more smart and understanding the rating, I agree with it. It should be very high because I don't see an option for discipline on here. So vision definitely would be 89. That seems about right. And speed at zero seems about right. But stealing is 13. So they they give him a little bit of credit for being a, a base stealer, but not a guy who has speed. Zero, that's that's not very good. I don't know that I don't think it can go lower than zero for your speed. Although I did see guys that had contact ratings over one hundred against certain pitcher handedness, so maybe you could go below zero. But Yachty seventy nine overall seems about right to me. Jordan Hicks seventy eight. He's listed on this game as a Memphis Redbirds uniform, but that's because he's on the injured list and the game doesn't know how to account for that. Ninety nine for velocity seems about right. I don't think you should have anybody higher in the game on velocity than Jordan Hicks. And so that seems fair. 97 for break. So they give him some nasty, nasty stuff, but his control is a 40. If you if you could get bump his control up to a 60 in this game, which I think a 40 might be a little low, which would indicate Hicks should be a little higher than 78. But I bet with a 60 control, don't change anything else, you'd probably bump that rating closer to 82, 83. 99 velocity, 97 break. I'll have to play with Hicks because that'd be kind of fun just to see what what the game allows you to do. Like, I don't think it'll go up to 105. The old games didn't, and and you can't really delineate. You, you can only go to 99, so it can only get so high. So I'm curious to see what that would look like. Um, but 78 for Hicks, maybe a tad low, but I, I get it. Um, Harrison Bader, 78 as well. I want to look at why that's the case. 99 for both reaction and fielding. He's going to win a gold glove someday if he gets continues to just get a little better at the plate so he can keep the playing time. Uh, arm strength of 77. That might even be underselling him a bit. Speed, 87, seems reasonable. Stolen base, only 44. It's hard to... I don't see very many, like, really good steal ratings in the game, and that's probably because stolen bases are not as much a part of the game of baseball these days as the, as they once were, which I may be speaking out of turn. That might not be true. It just seems like that watching from the Cardinals' perspective uh, more often than not. Like, Colton Wong did pretty well last year, and he talked about it winter warm-up. He and Bader were going to shoot for 30 this year, but obviously that's not going to happen now. Probably may not have happened anyway, but um, they're they're not going to have the chance to probably play 162 games at this point. Looking at the rest of Bader's stats, Vision, 35, seems about right. Uh, you know, he struggles with sliders and breaking pitches low in the zone and outside of the zone, below the zone, and so a low vision rating seems about right for him. Um, his power rating is higher than his contact rating for both lefties and righties, which I think he would like to probably reverse that and have a little better contact rating, not worry as much about the power. But he does have power in the extent that he can hit for extra bases because of his speed. So 78 overall feels honestly about right for Bader. I might have a little bit of tweaks with with the different elements of it. But part of that's going to be him proving himself in 2020. And I think his ratings could look a lot different for next year because the fielding elements are going to be there. If he can hit a little bit more than, you know, had the 205 average last year, if he can improve his offense, Bader could really be one of those guys, kind of like Colton Wong, rated 86 in this game. You could see Bader jump up because the game gives 
Bader better credit for some of his defensive stats. Like his fielding's at 99. Wong was only at like 91 or 2 on specifically fielding. They've got reaction, arm strength, and fielding is the three that I can see here. And so from that perspective, Bader could really take a jump if he if he improves offensively. John Brebbia, 78, middle relief guy, seems about right for all of Brebbia's stats. And I like that they're giving John Brebbia a little bit of credit here. Like 78 in this game, back in the day when you'd play these games, it's like a guy in the 70s, I don't want to mess with that. I'd rather have really studs. But they've really like made the rankings and the ratings, I think, a little more accurate to to have a nice range of players that like if you've got players in the 70s, those players can help you win on MLB The Show for sure. Tommy Edmond is a 78, listed officially as a shortstop. I don't know what what else they'd put him as, but it's interesting that he didn't play any shortstop last year. I'd probably list him as a third baseman on, on the game if it were me, but um, I'm interested to see. I wonder if I can go in and get more detail on his what positions it thinks he can play. Uh, no, it doesn't really tell me that, which is weird. But it does list secondary positions as second, third, and every outfield spot. It just it used to tell you like his capacity at each spot, but there, now it just lists all of them as secondary positions. So 78 for Edmund seems about right. Pretty solid vision rating, 71. Contact in the high 60s seems right. Good fielding ratings, 86 speed. I can get on board with that. His stealing rating is only 25, which I'd like to see him in real life be able to up that by stealing more bases, but we'll see what his season looks like when they get around to it. Matt Carpenter took a dive as far as his rating, only 76, and they give him a lot more credit for power than they do contact, which he's a contact-oriented player when he's going right, and they only give him 50 for vision. I think that's probably based on the strikeouts last year, and he just was not the same two-strike hitter a year ago. He's definitely hoping to improve upon that in 2020 when he gets the chance, and I think he could end up being a higher contact rating than he has um his reaction time in the field is given a lot of credit 81 not much arm strength 38 that's fair fielding 71 um i think that's about right honestly i would i would just be more inclined to trust that he should have a little higher contact rating his power against righties is 74 which i mean if righties make a mistake to matt carpenter he will punish you if you leave a ball over the plate but i feel like his contact rating could be a little higher i'd put carpenter around 79 or 80 if it were me um, Tyler O'Neill is a 75 overall. We've already talked about his speed. He's got solid defensive numbers, nothing crazy. Uh, contact rating is in the 50s, which almost feels a little high maybe. I would put his contact closer to, closer to about 50. It's got 52 and 56. I'd say 50 for contact. Power versus righties, 65. Power versus lefties, 54. I'd put that closer to 65 through 70 for his power. Uh, and honestly, if you wanted to be realistic about it, his power should be definitely higher in the 70s. But then that kind of overrates you as a player, which, again, if Tyler O'Neill can provide that power at the major league level, he's going to be the kind of player that will be rated 80, 85 and above on a video game. But for right now, we haven't seen it yet. So I think 75 is fair for him. And now we're starting to get into the portion of things where there are names in here that I've got to look and see if they're real people. Michael Baird is a real person, was drafted in the 23rd round by the Cardinals in 2018. He's rated as a 75. And I thought maybe, you know, sometimes in the old games they wouldn't have minor league players, and so you'd put guys in there and they'd be under false names, but you'd say, oh, that's actually Jake Woodford or whatever. That's not the case here. 75, 
no offense to Michael Baird. I'm sure he's a fine player, but I'm looking. He's he's only gotten to touch Springfield last year at age 23 and didn't do well in one appearance there. Had good numbers at Palm Beach, but again, just not a whole lot going on for the, the season. Only made nine appearances at Palm Beach, so he didn't throw very many innings. Might have been an injury situation. He was a, a college pitcher, so good numbers. I just 75, I don't know anything about him, so... And again, I I know some prospects. I know especially guys that were down at spring training. Don't recognize his name. So that's kind of a strange one. And here's another one that's odd. Brian O'Keefe, catcher. Real person. 26 years old. Catcher for the Cardinals organization. Seventh rounder back in 2014. Played at Springfield last year. So some of you that live out that way that see the Cardinals, the Springfield Cardinals on a regular basis might know him. Not anything blowing you away. 229 average, 319 on base. He's rated as a 74 in the game. So that's just, again, that just seems a little bit high for me. Moving on, uh, Adam Wainwright, 73. Oh, that seems okay. That seems fair. I would have him a little higher. And I know that's what I, I keep saying. I'd have guys higher. So, But again, if you, you consider my worldview on the Cardinals heading into 2020, I've been pretty consistent saying that I think they're going to be a good team. And so... The fact that I'm a little higher on the players than this game, for one, and I think in some cases the fan base kind of jibes with what I think is the case. So 73 for Wainwright. Um, Stamina is pretty good, 78. Break, 80. Certainly I think the curveball influenced by that. 63 velocity, no qualms about that. He doesn't throw too hard anymore. Control, 59. I would up that. I think he's he's got to have good control or he doesn't have the, the quality season that he had a year ago. Um, certainly the hit ratings, walk ratings, all that I think is fair in the mid-50s. He does allow a lot of hits. He, he does allow walks. Home run at 62 seems fair. That's a little high. Um, well, I guess 62. The higher it is, the better he would be. And so 62 seems about right. That's not a great rating. He does give up home runs on a fairly regular basis, so that's fair. Looking down the list, Ponce de Leon is a 72. I'd bump that up closer to 78 perhaps and it doesn't look like his character on the game has long hair yet they're gonna have to fix that uh velocity 70 he doesn't throw super hard that's fair 93 break he does he's got nasty stuff and i think this spring daniel ponce de learned how to control it better and his control of 36 i think should be improved upon he had pinpoint control with the fastball when we saw him in spring i'd put that 36 control up to 60 or 70 and then see what happens because I think Ponce would be due for a breakout year if he gets a chance. Dakota Hudson, clearly this is a game influenced by the sabermetrics because they've got him at a 71. If you Again, if this game was made 10 years ago or even 15 years ago, Hudson, based on a 16-win, 3.5 ERA season in 2019, he'd be, he'd be an 85 overall or better. But again, the walk, that's what I'm looking for is walks per nine. See, okay, that's fair. 38 walks per nine. That's his rating is 38 overall in that category. Again, the higher the better. So that's reasonable. Does pretty well at allowing hits to 70. Not a ton of strikeouts. That's true. Velocity, 89. So they give him a lot of credit for throwing hard. He's got to improve the command. I could live with that. 71, though, is too low overall. I think he should be closer to 70, 77, somewhere in there. Brad Miller, 71. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. Haven't seen enough of Brad Miller in person. But based on his numbers last year, I think they've got him pretty close to correct. He's got a little bit higher power than contact, and he hit like 12 home runs in 
fewer than 200 at-bats last year, so that's fair. Charo Munoz, for who whoever cares, is a 71, but he's not on the team anymore. Moving along, I'd have had him a little lower, to be honest with you. Uh, Matt Wieters, 70, seems about right for this stage in his career. Uh, not very high contact ratings, but his power is in the 50s compared to contact in the 30s and 40s. So I agree, he's a, more of a power guy than he is an on-base guy at this point. Moving on to Alex Reyes, who is listed in a Cardinals uniform, not a Memphis one, on the game. 70 overall, and let's find the way they get there. Um, I think it's too low. They've got him right. Low control, 51. Velocity, 87. That's fair. Break, only 65. His break is closer to 80. He's got nasty stuff. You could even make the argument that his breaking stuff should be higher than 65, more like 85 and then move his control even down some based on on what we've seen. But if he's able to figure out that control, his break should be higher, his control should be higher, his hits and walks allowed, his Ks allowed. So his walks allowed aren't good. His Ks and hits allowed ratings are good. Uh, Hits per nine, 75. K per nine, 83. But walks per nine all the way down at 34. So that seems right. Not a lot of stamina they give him credit for, which is kind of fair. We haven't seen him in three years be able to throw for long stints in the big leagues. John Gant, 69, nice, uh, velocity, 92, break, 89. He's got some good stuff. They don't give him a lot of credit for control, but he's got a, a, a decent hits per nine and home runs per nine. 69, I'd have Gant a little bit higher, more like 72. Lane Thomas is also a 69. Uh, they don't give him a lot of credit defensively. Decent speed, decent contact, not as much power. Low, low plate vision at 33. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily fair. I'd have him around a 70 or 71, though. That one's not too bad. Tyler Webb, 68, I think should be around a 70. They give him good credit for breaking stuff. His stuff has movement in this game, 93. Velocity, 62. He doesn't throw that hard. That's fair. Control, 65. That seems pretty fair for Webb, but I think more like 69, 70. I'd bump him up a little bit. Dexter Fowler, 68. Um, His power ratings are higher than contact ratings. That's not the kind of hitter he wants to be, I don't think. Uh, visions, I put his vision up closer to 54. I think he's seeing the ball, but he's not able to hit it. So um, 68 seems about fair for Fowler. Right, actually, the same rating as Dylan Carlson. So I'm not going to comment a whole lot on Carlson's rating because we haven't seen him against MLB competition for real yet. But 68, those are usually the kinds of numbers that are worthwhile for prospects to then make a jump and see what they would be like uh, in the big leagues. I wonder how long it would take me here to scroll through to the White Sox. I want to see what they have for uh, Luis Rubber, if they have him on here at all, because he's gotten paid already. He's a 72, Luis Robert. So uh, 68 for Carlson seems fair. I'd put him at 69 just to make it nice. Irving Lopez, the next rating is a 67. I didn't see him at spring training, but he had some, some good numbers for minor leagues last year, middle infielder. 67 overall, Evan Krasinski, Alex Fagaldi, looking at some of these names. Max Schrock is a 66. Helsley is a 65. That's too low. They give him credit for velocity at 65, but they don't give him much credit for command. I think Helsley should be pushing 70 at least. Uh, Connor Capel on here, 64. The other Jose Martinez is on here. Uh, Matt Libertor is on here as a 63. That seems nice. I mean, that's fine. He's He's an A baller essentially right now, so... Um, that's not unreasonable. Andrew Kisner is a 62. That's probably a little low. Cody Whitley is a 62 is low. He should be in the seventies. Cause I think he's going to be legit. Uh, have a good season for the Cardinals. If given the chance, uh, 
Nolan Gorman, 62. Again, it's hard to to fault them for that because you have to develop, and so I think that Gorman around 62 is not unfair for this time in his career. Edmundo Sosa, 62. He should be higher just on fielding alone. All his fielding stats are in the 60s. Uh, those should be in the 70s, and I think that pushed him about 65, 66 as a player. Hey, Lars Newtbar is in here as a 62. Justin Williams, 61. Looking uh, Roel Ramirez, 61. Brennan Donovan, 61. Austin Dean, only a 61. Got to give Austin Dean more credit for his power, though. Even if you want to fault him for contact, he should be higher than the 40s for power. So he should be more like a 64, 65 uh, John Nagowski should get more credit for contact, get him to about a 62. Kramer Robertson, they've, they've got a lot of good names in here. I'm, I'm appreciative of this. As I go down the list, uh, Ella Harris Montero is a 58. Johan Oviedo, 57, he should be higher. Oh, this is a disaster. Junior Fernandez at 57 has got to be higher than that. Um, they give him credit for velocity and basically nothing else. He's got good braking stuff. He's just got good stuff. they got to put him as a higher. He's got to be at least mid-60s if not closer to 70. He's a 57. That's the biggest uh, grievance I've got so far. And all the way down to the bottom of this list, Juan Yepes is a name that we know. I think he was traded for Matt Adams. That's how they got him. Uh, one of those guys. Brian Dubzanski was at spring. Elledge. Jake Woodford down at 53 and is listed as a relief pitcher for Springfield. That's not right. Um, Woodford doesn't have to be any higher than the 60s if you don't want, but he, you know, he's a starter at Memphis. And Henesis Cabrera, 52. He had a chance to make the squad. That's terrible. How they put him at 52? Henesis Cabrera's got to be higher than that. I'd put him uh, 67 off the top of my head. And potentially with some, some room to grow, for sure. Okay, we've went really long with these ratings. I just wanted to roll through all of them. Those are what the Cardinals have for the show, and that's what I think about them. Um, if you have any uh, other topics, questions that you'd like me to cover, certainly you can hit me up at bshafer12 on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, it's all the same everywhere, at bshafer12. And I don't remember my Twitch name, so I'll say it in the next time. But I'm going to continue to tweet about Twitch as I get this going, unless my PS4 totally dies on me. But until then, uh, you know, you can follow me on all the other socials to keep up to date. And certainly follow the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. It's Spotify. It's Google Podcasts. It's Apple Podcasts. If you've got an iPhone, I know you probably do. I don't, but most people do. So it's B-Shape Daily, anywhere you want to find the show. And I appreciate you guys for sticking along with this episode. The Serial Bracket, if you want an update on that, will be run on Twitter. I'm going to start doing that actually this afternoon. I think we're up to the, are we already to the Elite Eight? We might be. And so got to check to see who won yesterday's matchups. I haven't looked at that yet today. And then go vote for your favorite serials. And we're going to do a sitcom bracket too. If you got sitcoms that you absolutely like, an under-the-radar sitcom that not many people know about, or remember, like it could have been from 20 years ago or longer, and you're like, this has to be in the bracket, DM me at bshafer12. Like, I've got the How I Met Your Mothers. I've got the Seinfelds. I've got the Offices. I've got the main ones. I'm looking for the under-the-radar ones before I make this bracket. Probably over the weekend is when I'll do it. Uh, but that's all I've got for you for today. So thank you once again for listening to the show, and we will talk to you, you know when, tomorrow. <laughs>